G'day fuckbags, it's Aiden Jones here and you are listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 24th of August, 2021, 2021, whatever. Um, here's a little fucking bit of insider whatever for you as I just started this podcast and I hated how it sounded so I just started again. <laughs> I start, so, all right, so this week, um, last week I talked about how I was doing comedy, been doing comedy for 10 years and it was great. Because, you know, lockdown's happening and whatever and it sucks. And I just feel like I'm fucking repeating myself every week. I'm just like, oh, lockdown sucks. I'm sad. No one cares, right? And last week, by chance of the fact that there was a big milestone in my life, I had an excuse to go back and talk about some memories and tell some stories and just talk about something that I really care about, which is stand-up. And uh, I really enjoyed it more than anything i enjoyed it because i was able to just divert myself from the fucking shit show that is my and a lot of our lives right now hold up i have a sip of tea oh fuck man just before i took my tea bag out of the tea and i reckon i steeped it for like the perfect amount of time and i squeezed the tea bag to get all the rest of the stuff out and then put it on my little plate there and i smelled my fingers and they smell like tea like, you know, like the the plant, like it just smelled really fresh and good. And I just, I reckon I got the hot water to release the perfect amount of stuff from the thing. Sorry to use scientific terms for you. Anyway, so what I was doing last week was that, right? And telling stories. And, and so I was like, how can I do that again? How can I not get just bogged down in my feelings again and be sitting here talking about you know, my week, which is probably the same as your week. Depressing. Um, and last week I was, I, I, I don't know how I got onto this, but I started listening to the Hilltop Hoods album, The Calling Again. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to fucking talk about that this week. And so to rewind a bit, what I just did at the start was I was like, maybe I'll start the episode by going, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome. Because that's how the album, The Calling starts with the song Incoming the like the chick's voice whatever i don't know who it is i don't know what the sample is but it's like good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome 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 once again and then there's like a whole thing and it's great and it's iconic and i was like maybe i'll start the podcast like that and then i did it <laughs> i said good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome and then i was like to aiden jones's point or whatever the fuck i said afterwards and it just felt gross and contrived Ugh. So I'm not starting it like that. I'm starting it how I normally fucking start it. But um, I think the reason I started thinking about the calling is like the first track. I don't know what. I was just doing my puzzle last week. I was doing a puzzle on the floor of my room and uh, I was looking for music to listen to. And I, what came up? Maybe I had the song Testimonial Year in my head at work. So I just fucking, it's not an album that I ever really listen to anymore. Um, but I think maybe I just had the song testimonial year in my head from work or something. And the, the, it starts with, um, let me introduce myself, Raisin Beers, Suffer MC, been doing this for more than 10 years. And, uh, I started listening to the song again, just cause it was in my head on the way home from work. I listened to it and it's like, it's fucking, this is where I'm at now in comedy. I've been doing comedy for 10 years. And I heard the song different 
when I was riding home. I hadn't really listened to it in a few years at least, but it's wild, man. This album was so big for me that I don't know if you guys got albums like that where I just know all the words. It's like the fucking, I don't know. I'm about to say it's like the Manchurian Candidate. I haven't seen that movie. I don't know if that's the right reference or it's like Jason Bourne when it gets activated. But again, I don't think I've seen that movie either. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's a fucking switch goes off in my head when I hear the music. I can just, I know all the words. Suffer MC been doing this for more than 10 years. Oh, what's the next? Ever since I was a youngster, I bought the funk for the love and for the party people to get drunk to. Every time that we went on tour and she was left behind, feeling insecure, but she needn't worry. I wasn't chasing a girl to rock. Oh, fuck. I think I just missed a whole. Th- oh, no. I just missed a whole bit. Fuck, whatever. <laughs> Maybe I don't know it as well as I thought. But if if the song's on, I can fucking rap the whole thing and not and not miss much I reckon and it just was hu- All right, so I was going to talk about like I guess what got me into the album I feel like it's a well I so last week I was listening to it I put it on um at night and I was just doing my puzzle because you know there's no stand-up and that's <laughs> evidently my number one fallback is like all right I can't go on stage and make people laugh what's kind of the most similar thing that I can do to that I know, a jigsaw puzzle. (laughs) Um, But I was doing my puzzle in my room and I was just looking for something to listen to. So I put the album on and um, my housemate, I forgot, or I guess we never really spoke about it, but he was like a big Hoods fan and he grew up in Perth. And he came in and he was like, oh man, like, yes, you know, we were just like bonding over it. But the Hilltop Hoods was... Uh, uh, like they were an act and like that album especially The Calling was just like something that I never really had anyone to enjoy it with I don't think I just know that was uh, like hip-hop in general for me was something that I often really kind of enjoyed by myself and uh, what got me into the album was in uh, 2003-4 the summer like that January 2004 I was uh, in the Scouts and I was on there was like Australian Jamboree, which is if you're not in the Scout, first of all, if you're not in the Scouts, you fucked up. The Scouts was sick. Everyone used to call it lame. All my friends in high school used to make fun of me for being in the Scouts. But hey, man, I fucking kissed my first girl in Scouts. All right. <laughs> we did a bit of a bit of like fingering in the tents, all of that shit. And that's cool, right? That makes me cool. <laughs> That was always my argument. Oh, yeah, you think Scouts is lame? Well, I fucking... I kissed a chick and she let me touch her boob. (laughs) And then my mate came along to one of the camps and he was like, I mean, yeah, there's girls here, but it's still pretty fucking lame, dude. (laughs) But, um... So the scout, like if you're not in Scouts, the Australian Jamboree is like one camp every two or three years, I think where all of Australia, all the scouts in Australia can come to this one camp. So there's like thousands of kids and it was at Woodside in South Australia, which is kind of lame that it was in my home state. It was like an hour from my fucking house. But, um, you know, it was still pretty cool. And uh, it was like a 10 or 12 day camp, no parents. Um, And there was a bunch of kids, like the scout troop that I went to every week, there was like maybe 10 or 15 kids that were there every week who I saw every week. But then when you go to Jamboree, there's like, I think it was 36 kids and then six leaders in each troop. So 
there was like a bunch. There was like the Black Forest Scouts that I was in, and then there was like Fullerton Scouts and like Second Adelaide Scouts because there was like a first and a second or whatever. There was like a few different groups, and so I got to meet all these kids who I never met before. And uh, I was like, tw- I was almost thirteen. I was twelve, almost thirteen. And there were some kids who were like fourteen. They were like a couple years ahead of me in school who were in my troop. And so you like meet them in like November. And we met and I was like, oh, these kids are cool. And then I'd finished primary school that year. So that summer, I was like all my primary school friends, you know, already starting to drift away, but I hadn't gone to high school and made a new bunch of friends yet. It was just like blank slate. And I met these fucking kids who were a couple years older than me. And I was like, these are, I want to hang out with these kids. It was dudes. It was, uh, it was Tomo, Dre, Liam and Luke. I still remember two of them. Tom and Dre, I was friends with for years after that, and we ended up like I, I joined their group, their like scout group. I did ventures with them, but Liam and Luke, I never saw them again after this camp. So we were friends for like twelve consecutive days. We spent every fucking moment together, and then I never saw them again in my life. And that whole camp that summer. The calling came out in 2003 and that was January 2004. So it had just come out and I guess I hadn't really cottoned on to what it was yet. Or I hadn't really heard it yet, but these guys were loving it. And uh, so I fucking hung out with them and I was just listening to it. And I'm, I remember there was a line, they were like quoting all the lines from it, like dumb enough. They were quoting like, it's a swan, that fucking, yeah. Uh, what was another one? Uh, be careful what you wish for, be cautious what you seek, women are like opportunities, grasping when they're in reach, all for glitters is gold, the sulfur cream locally, life's a blind struggle, that's why fake keeps tripping over me. Uh, there was a line, if, uh, there's a fine line between a smile and a frown, yeah, it's called an eyebrow. There was that, I remember that line, I remember they were all fucking hyping that, and I was like, I don't know what that is. There's a fine line between a smile and a frown, yeah, it's called an eyebrow. I feel like Liam and Luke were like rapping to each other and they were like maybe trying to write raps or something like that. They had like a friendship that I was like, i got to get in on this, man. So they would do that. It's, it's called an eyebrow. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> trying to pretend like I knew what they were talking about. Yeah, man, fucking eyebrows. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess at some point, I don't actually remember whether I heard it on that camp, I reckon I would have, I reckon someone would have brought like a discman and, um, like, I feel like, I feel like Liam was the one that I was like, cause we were both short. <laughs> so we were just like mates cause we were both just like little dudes. Um, and, uh, I just remember, you remember when you like, if for people of a certain age, fuck, am I really saying that? Um, as if anyone, as if anyone who doesn't know me personally is listening to this. Um, if you're like, when you had a discman and you had your headphones with the wire and you wanted to like listen to the music your mate was listening to, you had to like sit next to him. So it was like a very intimate thing. But I reckon at some point on that camp, Liam would have like given me an ear and been like, oi, listen to this. And then it's like, at that point you have to fucking, you're not going to not like it. Imagine that someone you're sitting right next to him and then just the intimacy of that of like, yeah, man, we're friends. Like he gave me, that was just in, that's kind of gross, isn't it? That was in his ear and now it's <laughs> whatever. The point is I listened to the music and then I went home and, uh, after the camp and was just like listening to it. I remember another big memory from that year was, uh, my dad's born on the 29th of February and, um, 
it was his birthday. That was, yeah, 2004. So that was his 13th birthday. He was born in 1968. Fuck, someone's going to dox my dad. Um, 1968, does that work out? 68. Fuck. Maybe it does. No, because 2000 was his birth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Does that... 68, oh yeah, it's 32. So in 2000, he was 32, so he was eight. So in, no, fuck, is my maths off? Wait, 32, it is, yes, 2000, 32. Because how old is he now? He's 53. Wait, what? Four, 68, 78, 88, 98, that's 30, 32. Yeah, so he would have been 36 in 2000. How tedious is this, listening to me not be able to do maths in my head? So in 2004, he turned nine. Yes, that's correct. And uh, we had like a big birthday for him at the house. And it was my job to uh, get like, well, I I guess I took the job upon myself because I was like 13 and, you know, I didn't have an identity yet. So my whole identity was like, I listen to music. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that. Remember that when you're a kid and you're like, don't know who you are yet, but you're like, okay, I like music. So I guess I'm constructing an identity for myself right now and music is a thing that makes me feel stuff. So that's who I'm going to be. I'm going to be someone who listens to music and then you just like got all these feelings. So you're like, all right, and I'm, that's, I've got all these feelings and that's the only place I have to put them. So they're all going there. I love music and that's, that's it. That's who I am. And for my dad's party, my parents were like, yeah, all right. So if you're going to be in charge of music, my parents' mates came around with all CDs and I was ripping all of their music onto the computer because it was, we didn't have internet till I was like 14. So I put all of these songs on the computer off of the CDs. I remember spending days just sitting there and then like taking the CD cut, like the fucking liner notes out of the CD and inputting all of the data myself, like the band, the song, the track numbers, and then like genre, like creating genres for them. I think I, I think I remember I did it for like 800 songs. So what's that? If there's like, say there's 10 songs on an album. Yeah. That's like 80 albums. Pretty good effort. Pretty good. Oh, that's pretty good. Right. (laughs) I just went through and I catalogued all these songs. Pretty fucking aspy behavior, actually. Um, but I remember by that point, the Hilltop Hoods was definitely some of my favorite music because I downloaded Winamp. That was like my new player. I was like, fuck Windows Media Player. Don't like it. I'm downloading Winamp. And I cataloged all this music in Winamp. And I had this thing where the nosebleed section had to be like my most played song. because that That's right, because Winamp listed how many times you'd played each song. That was a huge thing. So you could like tell how much you liked each song based on how often you played it. And uh, I remember having a thing where I was like, nosebleed section has to be the most played song. So if other songs start to like catch up, I just listen to the nosebleed section like 10 times in a row. <laughs> just to keep it as like the number one most played song. Um, But I fucking listened to the whole album, man. And like all these verses. And so... No, no one else in my school like was really into it. So it was just this thing that I had by myself and like all of my friends from primary school were gone and those dudes like Liam and Luke, you know, never saw them again. And, and Dre and Tomo, I didn't join their scout group until like a bit later and they weren't, I don't think they were as much like into it as the other two guys were. So I just like, it was almost like I had these two friends and they gave me this music and then they just disappeared from my life. 
and like all I had left was just this music that I just carried through, you know, myself and I never had anyone else to listen to it with. I noticed that when I was doing the puzzle and my housemate was like there sitting in my room and we were just listening to the hoods and like knowing all the words, he was telling me about his mate who, I don't want to be too specific, but his mate isn't around anymore. Um, and, uh, but he has like all these memories of his mate and, you know, like listening to this song, he was just like reminiscing, telling me, and that made me realize like, fuck man, all my memories of this music is like just sitting in my room, sitting in like the computer room with my brother, like next to me, like playing our own games. And I was in control of the music cause I was older and like, I guess I was like glad that he was there listening to it with me, but I don't think he was like fully engaged as much as I was. I think I really enjoyed showing people stuff to the point where I don't care that much <laughs> whether they like it or not. <laughs> as long as they're listening to it, I can enjoy it again because someone else is listening to it, but it's still not really about their enjoyment. It's about me. <laughs> so I was in control of the music and I enjoyed that my brother was there, but like, you know, it was, I, I don't know that we were listening to it together per se. Um, and then East, so like Easter weekend that year, this was the first live concert I ever went to as well was the Hilltop Hoods because, uh, me and like the family and we all, we went away to Victor Harbor to this holiday house that we used to rent. And, uh, one of the days, I guess the Saturday or the Sunday, my parents just took me to, I think it was called the Crown Hotel in Victor Harbour, like on the four, the big one, like near the Granite Island Bridge. It's like the big hotel in Victor Harbour. And uh, I reckon they told me, maybe they told me before we went or maybe they told me after when they dropped me off there, but they were, the Hilltop Hoods were doing an underage show in the afternoon and um, they surprised me. They probably, I reckon what would have happened was they just read about it in the paper or like just saw that it was happening that day. And they were like, oh fuck, Aiden loves the Hilltop Hoods. Let's take him to the show. And uh, I'd never been to a live show by myself before, but my parents couldn't go because it was an underage show. So I just had to go in by myself. And my dad and his mate were like drinking in the front bar. And I remember I bawled my fucking eyes out, man. I cried. I remember the cry that I had. I, you know when you have memories and they're like tied to a picture or a story that someone else has told you and so it's kind of like do I really have that memory or, or am I constructing it from the like the souvenir that I have and then you have other memories that there's no physical evidence of. It's just you have the visceral memory of the event in your head. I remember crying like so hard, like bitterly crying because – I was these two conflicting ideas. Like I was so scared to go to this gig by myself and I knew my parents couldn't come because they explained to me it was an underage show and that like if you're over 18, you're not allowed to go. But also I just, I loved the Hilltop Hoods so much. I felt like it was this, this really, um, what's the word? It was like this really important, like thing that no one understood that was happening to me like this grand you know cosmic injustice that was like why do I have to go by myself but I'm so scared but I'm being brave I have to go it's so important 
independent of me. It's important that I go to this gig. I remember going like they finally were like, you got you, like, you know, you'll, you'll regret it forever. If you don't go, I think my mom even said that to me or my dad said like, I, you know, you're going to regret it so much if you don't go. Um, and so they finally convinced me to go. And, uh, I reckon I spent the whole gig. I, I don't remember that much from the gig. I remember they played left foot, right foot. Oh my God. Fuck. They played left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, keep it moving. Yeah, and they, and they had a fucking singer, like some chick there singing the the chorus, and I'd never heard that song before. I was like, what's this? I never heard that before. I didn't know at the time left foot, right foot was like the previous album that I just hadn't heard yet. I had only heard the calling. Um, I remember that bit of the concert and, and the only other memory I have is just there's like a girl in front of me who probably was like two or three years older than me, but I was just like, you know, a teenager, just like a walking penis basically. So I spent the whole show kind of watching the music, but also just keeping half an eye on this chick who was like two or three people in front of me and just like... <laughs> Just like hoping that she would turn, maybe she'll turn around and look at me maybe, and then maybe we'll kiss. <laughs> oh God. And I remember going back to school after that, like after the, <clears throat> after the um, two weeks holidays and I guess Easter had fallen in that holidays and then, you know, you go back and we're in music class and they're like, go around the class and everyone just like say what you did on holidays. And I was so psyched. I couldn't wait to say to everyone, like so proud and like almost like boasting. Like I saw the Hilltop Hoods at an underages show at, in, at the Crown Hotel in Victor Harbour and uh, no one else in my class really knew or like gave a fight. I think everyone knew what it was, but they were just like, oh, cool. You know, like no one, I, I don't even know if they didn't like it, but no one really gave me props. No one was like, whoa, that's sick. Like no one thought it was as cool as I thought it was. So um, it was sick to have my housemate like, you know, oh, this was a cool moment that we had. So another thing was I, I just remember being so proud that the Hilltop Hoods were from Adelaide. Like growing up in Adelaide, you know, the Crows won the fucking premiership in 97, 98 and that's it. <laughs> I don't, there wasn't really that much else to be psyched about in the city. I remember growing up always thinking like, I was just like, dude, Adelaide surely is like about to blow up. You know, I just felt like it was exciting. I felt like it was a happening place. And, uh, and then at some point kind of realizing like, Oh, it's not, or I don't know. I just, when I was younger, I was like, surely Adelaide's like about to be the coolest place in the world. And then it just never got to where I thought it was going to go to. And that was what eventually led to me leaving the city, I think. But b before that happened, before I kind of had that realization that I, I needed to, or I wanted to leave, I remember being so proud that the Hilltop Hoods were from Adelaide. And then there was like a bunch of other, uh, there was like the Funkors and, uh, who else? Vince Juan, was he from Adelaide? I don't know, but there was like a big hip hop thing happening in Adelaide at that time. I remember on uh, JTV, I reckon, they interviewed a couple of other like Aussie hip hop artists from other cities and uh, there was two of them and maybe one was from, one was definitely from Melbourne. I can't remember where the other one was from, but they asked both of them, 
like other than your hometown, where has the coolest, like the best hip hop scene in Australia? And they both said Adelaide. And I was like, fuck yes, man. Adelaide, this is where it's at. Everyone else wants to be here. Adelaide's the coolest city in Australia. Adelaide is the coolest city in Australia. And that's where I live. And um, yeah, so there's like such an element. I, I never really realized before listening to it the other day, but there is such an element, an element of like representing your hometown in this fucking stuff. Um, what do I want to say? First of all, to go back to the original point, Testimonial Year is a song where, and I re- I did a bit of reading about the album, like, you know, because I knew I was going to talk about it on this episode. And like, it's these two guys who have been doing this. I think they were like in their mid-20s at the time. I read, I I heard an interview with them where they were talking about the album was that was the point when they were finally able to quit their jobs working in factories. I think DJ Debris was like running a courier business and uh, he saved up enough money from that to get a studio to like buy it, to like build his own studio. And then a bunch of Adelaide like hip hop people used to record in that studio. Um, But they were like working jobs. Their first two albums, Matter of Time and Left Foot, Right Foot, they were still working jobs. And then Testimonial Year, they're like, we've been doing this for 10 years. And it feels like that song, it's like they're laying down a marker. It's like what I was talking about last week when I started stand-up. I want to do this for 10 years and then we'll see. Because 10 years is like, if you can say, I've been doing this for 10 years, no one can really argue with that. You are like experienced at that thing. You're a veteran. Like to be doing anything for 10 years, you got to have found something in it, whether it's some success or you got to really love it or whatever the thing is. You've been doing it for 10 years. It's not, you're not you're serious about it. You're taking it seriously. And, um, even like the album's called the calling it's called the calling. I never realized that before. It's called the calling. This is our calling. This is what we're meant to do. It's a real statement of intent, man. It's like got a, a, a clarity to it. And like, there's a seriousness about it. That's just like, we're not fucking around. We're not kids you know, writing rhymes and chucking them in our backpacks and spitting them at parties and stuff. No, I mean, we're seriously, we're fucking musicians. We tour, we're doing this for a living and this is it. And, um, I fucking really love that about it. And listening to it again now with the perspective that I have, having done something for 10 years, I understand like the seriousness with which they're taking it. Uh, where is, I looked up some lyrics here. Uh, uh, uh. oh yeah the song the calling right this be the calling the call we can never be fake thanks to hip-hop i got a bed in every state and without it i'd roam the city with no purpose without the underground i'm a clown without a circus that right there that's it man without the underground i'm a clown without a circus it's like this is my community this is who i am this is where i find meaning i got a bed in every state Rap Genius has this to say about that, which is pretty cool. While talking about the song during an interview with Triple J, Suffa elaborated on this line. Uh, One of the lyrics is, thanks to hip-hop, I got a bed in every state. That was a thing that one of my friends who isn't into hip-hop at the time was saying to me because I never thought that it was weird. And she was saying, that's so so weird that you can go anywhere and you've got a bed anywhere because of this music you do. Which is true, like, you know, I have conversations with that, like with people about that, that like friends of mine who don't do stand-up and, you know, I tell them about like going to gigs and going to other cities and there's other comedians and it's always like, 
it is something that's really cool about having a thing that you love and finding the other people who love it. And then you have a community that's just there and you're bound together by the love of that thing. So yeah, I really fucking understand that. I understand that. I understand what these guys are saying. Um, there is a line in uh, <laughs> the talk about the hometown thing though. Sorry, this is fucking so all over the place. I didn't really think of whether I was going to structure this or not. I was just going to try and vomit out a bunch of things that this album makes me think of. Um, the the song, The Certificate, which let me see how many we got. 16, 16 different rappers have verses on this song. So it was... Uh, to use the words of one of the um, samples, it's a posse record. It's like, I don't really know. I sound like someone who doesn't listen to hip hop now talking about it. Uh, it's actually what is known in the hip hop community as a <clears throat> posse record. But that's what it is, apparently. Let me show you new rappers how to do a posse, a posse, a posse rec, rec, rec complex. Compliments are simple. Anyway. Um, so verse number 12 is uh, by this guy Collapse, K-O-L-A-P-S, Collapse. And I, the second word in it, I can't say, it's the F word, you know. Um, but uh, the rest of the verse is, you MCs always compare one another. Studio 2000s where you shot your album cover. I provide patience to your shit dictation, then commence domestic MC word castration, like Exilus effects from a psychedelic wanger. For you, there's no escape, like sperm in a franga. Stimulated imitations pr- fade away progressively. Go fuck yourself, Aphrodite MC. <laughs> That's that guy's verse, man. That's his verse on arguably one of the biggest albums in Australian music in the last, like, you know, 20 years. And it's just like this fucking lunatic. They just let him on the song. (laughs) And it's the start of his verse. He's dropping, like, some derogatory slur that you can't even say anymore. And the whole, like, what is this about? So the bit that made me laugh so hard is Studio 2000s when you shot your album cover. <laughs> because I asked my housemate, because he grew up in Perth, I was like, do you know what Studio 2000 is? And he was like, nah, like, uh, what is it? <laughs> but evidently, Studio 2000 was just an Adelaide thing, but I know what it is because the commercials were on TV all the time. It was like a photo studio where you could go and get like family photos or business photos or whatever the fuck photos taken, but they're commercials. I'll put it on the Instagram. If you follow, look, go on Instagram, sitting under podcast, and I'll fucking download one of the commercials because they're on YouTube. And I showed my housemate and he was like, oh my God, man, that is so sick. They're just like the most cheesy corny ass family run business got a couple grand together and chucked a commercial on late night product like it's so brutal man and they're (laughs) i mean no shade to them or whatever you know like you got a business and you're advertising it sick but it's so fucking corny man it's just like do you want like your next event or if you want to look your best studio 2000 will capture any blah 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 (laughs) And um, 
So the fact that this guy, I mean, he's already, he's already like revealed himself as being a fucking absolute psycho by using that word in the first line. Uh, but then the second line, Studio 2000s, where you shot your album cover, is just like a really good diss, but a diss that only people in, a, in Adelaide are going to get ever. And then let's see what the rest of the verses got. I provide patience to your shit dictation. I don't even know what that means. I provide patience to your shit dictation, okay? Then commence domestic MC word castration. I guess he's a domestic MC? Or is that like domestic violence? Is there an allusion to domestic violence or something? I don't know what that means either. Like exitless effects from a psychedelic wanger. I don't know what that means. Exitless, of, exitless effects from a psychedelic wanger. Maybe it's like you can't escape a psychedelic trip. But then here, for you, there's no escape like sperm in a franger. That franger, again, is an Adelaide word for condom. And then simulated imitations fade away progressively. Yeah, I don't know what that means either. And then just at the end, he brings it back. Go fuck yourself, hermaphrodite MC. <laughs> So he's just got, he's called them gay. He said their album cover looks like it was shot at a shitty place. And then there's one, two, three, four, five lines of honest to God nonsense. And then at the end, he's just like, fuck you. You're a fucking, you're a hermaphrodite. Which, what does that mean again? Is that trans? Is that like 20 year old shit? I think that means trans. Fucking hell. So anyway, I looked this guy up. To be like, what's this guy doing? You know, did he have any success at all? All that I could find about him was on the AustralianHipHopDirectory.com. He was on um, Culture of Kings, which was like a... um, a collab, like a, a what's the, a compilation record from 2000. And there's a photocopy of the liner notes where evidently it had like, you know a little bit about all the MCs who appeared on the record. So this is just copied from a CD from 20 years ago. And it's just got collapse born in Birmingham, England. He came to Adelaide in April, 1992. He has been rhyming since early 96 as a solo MC with unique lyrical expression, standing firm for Adelaide turf wordplay versatility and lyrical agility are the ingredients that make up cold pass. There's a typo. There's a typo on the CD cover. (laughs) <laughs> Colpass <laughs> Collapses rhymes Are written based on hip hop lifestyle experiences And relate to his own point of view And visions of the globe Collapse has been seen performing at Vocal Lords 1 and 2 The Rumpus Room At Flagstaff Hill And also supporting DJ Bones CD launch At the Tivoli Hotel Collapse is currently collecting thoughts on paper With a project underway With his own production As well as the Supreme DJ Debris His release should be out in early 2001 And um, that's it That's all the information that exists about this guy There's a couple songs uh, That he's like got verses on That are on YouTube From like back then um, there's nothing else. His album, by the looks of it, never came out because I can't find any record of it. And it's just like, you know, I mean, I'm making fun of the dude's verse, but like, you know, he's he got a verse on a, a big CD and evidently he was loving it on some level, but maybe didn't pursue it and just kind of fell away. And he's just, it's like, 
I don't. There's something really romantic that I love. I have a picture on the wall of my room um, of uh, it's a picture from a comedy night. Like it must have been around 2013 or something, and uh, it's in black and white. I don't know why it's in black and white, but that was just I just was going through Facebook photos and I found this picture, and it's from an old show called 100% Nuts. And, uh, it was like this show that used to run when I started comedy in Melbourne. It wasn't, wasn't a good show, but it was just a show that we all used to go and do every week. And, uh, in this picture, all of the comedians in there of all of them, I think there's like 14. It's a picture of all the comedians after the show and like all of them except one, two, all of them except two, I think don't do comedy anymore or maybe three I'm looking at now but there's like 13 or 14 people in there and like none of them are like really doing comedy like a bunch right now Glenn Zen's one of them and he runs a room at the Bergie Seltzer and that like he doesn't really do gigs anywhere else and then Russell Wigginton does gigs you know every now and then at the comics lounge and stuff but he's not like out and about or you know touring or anything and all of the other comics in this picture I'm pretty sure don't do comedy anymore and uh, looking at it, it's just like this, that night, they were all on. They were all doing comedy. And to go and do a show like what that show was, it wasn't a big show. So to go and do a show like that, you're not doing it for money. You're doing it because you love doing it. So at some point that night, those people all loved comedy. And now a bunch of them don't do it anymore. And there's something that I really like about that. It reminds me of that picture at the end of um, The Shining with all the people in the hotel, you know, and they're all dead. They're all ghosts. These people in that photo, they're all like fucking ghosts. And this verse from this guy collapse, like he loved hip hop at some point and he was going to release an album. And he, uh, he uh, to quote his description, uh, stands firm for the Adelaide turf with wordplay versus agility and lyrical agility. They're the ingredients who made him up at some point. You know, he cared enough about it to do that. And he doesn't anymore, but at some point he did. And that verse is like a little time capsule that you can go back to and be like, look at this guy caring about this thing <laughs> and being homophobic. <laughs> um, and it made me feel really connected to it to be able to tell my housemate like, oh yeah, by the way, this thing that he's rapping about was some fucking stupid like, you know, business that used to advertise on Adelaide TV and evidently only Adelaide TV that this guy was referencing. I don't know, man. It's just very nostalgic and nice. Um, I was going to talk about a couple other things on the album. I love the song The Sentinel. I love, I just have always thought The Sentinel, uh, and I had it confirmed because I Googled and other people have thought this too. It's kind of like a hip hop version of Hotel California. It's about the place that these guys go to and it seems great, but it's beguiling and then they get trapped there and you can't leave. Um, I just always thought that was nice. I, f I think I might be done talking about this album actually. It's just, why is it important to me? It was important to me because... <clears throat> It got me into hip hop. The album, The Calling, got me, like it was my first exposure to hip hop. Uh, I remember in like year 10 or something like that. No, sorry, in year, in year five when I was 10, some kid at primary school. And I mean, like it was just a kid fucking with me. But I remember him going like, are you a rapper or a rocker? And I was like, um, I'm a rocker. And he was like, yeah, cool. 
because if you said rapper, I'd have to bash you. Um, and like, I, you know, I guess there was always at that point a divide between like people who like you either like rap or you like rock. And I have my favorite bands growing up were the living end, the red hot chili peppers and the offspring that when I was a kid, when I was like in primary school, those were the three bands who I like defined myself by. And then I listened to the calling these kids at scouts who I'd never met before was friends with for two weeks and then never saw again. And they just gave me this album and then I listened to it. And from there, you know, they reference a lot of like tribe called quest, um, and Nas and like all of these, like the old hip hop that they grew up listening to. There's all little Easter eggs of that in the production of the calling. And so from that, once I got the internet and started looking up the lyrics, I went and found these other artists and, you know, that got me into listening to Nas. It got me into listening to Tribe Called Quest. And from there, it's like Big E, Big L, whatever, all the stuff that I listened to all through school. And I just never thought that I liked hip hop until I heard that. I never realized that all I knew was Eminem. And I was like, yeah, kind of like Eminem. I don't know. Not really. I was never really sold on him. He wasn't my guy. But, uh, this album made me realize that hip, there, there was hip-hop out there that I could listen to. And so for that, I am eternally grateful. Even though the rest of their catalog, the stuff before, I love. And by the way, I was listening to a bunch of interviews with them. They don't like their first two albums. It's so fucking sad to me. That's why they're not on Spotify. Left Foot, Right Foot and Matter of Time aren't on Spotify because Suffer and Pressure, and I guess Debris as well, it was before Debris was in the group, but Suffer and Pressure think that they're shit. They think they're bad albums. They're amazing albums. They're so good. I've always thought <clears throat> that um, this is my own fucking editorial opinion, and it's probably a shitty opinion because, like, you know, the guys have had a bunch of success. I didn't realize this until I started reading about them, but they're one of the most successful Australian groups, like, period, of all time. That In terms of records sold and the number of times I've had platinum records and number one records, it's, they're huge, the Hilltop Hoods. But after the next album, The Hard Road, I got that and that blew up. And then after that, I kind of didn't really connect with the music they were making that much. Um. And I guess it kind of felt like to me they spent 10 years perfecting this thing that they were trying to do with the calling. And then after that, they kept evolving. But the direction, well, here's my opinion. And then here's what, here's the opinion that I've always held. And then here's, after that, I'll say like probably something that's a bit more balanced. For me, I felt like they spent 10 years perfecting this style of hip hop and they nailed it with the calling. And then after that, they had to reinvent themselves again. And they've never really nailed a second thing, you know, like they nailed it with the calling and then they never really nailed it after that. That's how I've always felt, but probably what's closer to the objective truth is that moment they were making a record that I just like perfectly liked. And then after that, they rather than stagnate and make the same record again, decided to keep evolving. But the direction that they evolved in wasn't the direction that my music taste was headed in. That's a bit more balanced than, saying that the rest of it's shit. It's clearly not shit. People love it, but I don't, yeah. I tried to listen to some of the new stuff, not super into it, but forever grateful to the Hilltop Hoods for fucking making that album, The Calling, and showing me that I could, that I could love hip hop. I think that's it for another week, man. Thank God.
another week gone by of not thinking about how fucked our lives are. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. If you've liked this, give us a fucking, if you're first time listening, cause I'm probably going to try and promote this on some Hilltop Hoods type pages. If this is your first time listening to my podcast, go back and listen to some of the other ones. Maybe fucking go back further than two months. Cause the last two months I've been pretty, pretty fucking bummed. Um, or keep listening. Cause I reckon I'm going to try and do this going forward as I want to try and pick some other stuff that I like and talk about that so I don't get so bogged down in my feelings rather than just trying to talk about what's going on in my life every week and then when something important happens or whatever I don't know I'm still figuring it out the podcast is evolving I'm excited by that so if you're liking it um go on iTunes and fucking rate it five stars or maybe rate it one star even rate it one star that'd be all right imagine if I got heaps no don't rate it one please don't rate it one star (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That'd really bum me out. Um, rate it five stars and give me a review. Or if you've been listening, which I know there's 54 of you, fucking get on iTunes and give us a five-star review, man. Follow the Instagram at Sitting Under Podcast. Follow me at Aiden Jones Comedy. And uh, I hope you're doing good, man. Have a good week. Stay tough in lockdown or out, wherever you're at. This has been Aiden Jones, Sitting Under a Tree. Peace.